Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 245. If you like horror games, try these out. we like to thank our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Thing? dude we're trying what to we go doing? with a horror theme oh yeah halloween's this week i thought we were just picking horror horror games for the heck of it what, what are you gonna do ah <laughs> uh, you had one job man you had one job hey hey i played horror games this week i'm just saying That's true well look i i have plenty of well practiced and rehearsed spooky and horrific voices uh, I, I mean, I, I have my New York accent. Hey, how you doing? You want to play some board games this week? What about it? Hey, you sit down. Forget about it. It's okay. All right. You know, I got things like that. I, I, I could do my Pittsburgh one. It's been a while, but, uh, you know, I, I used to do yins all the time. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's more your that's more yins thing, right? Yeah. I don't even know anybody who speaks like that around here. I know they exist, but I feel like where I live, it's it's just a bunch of people from outside Pittsburgh. And they're like, where are they? Where are the real Pittsburghers? Where's the Yinzers? <laughs> now it's a real thing in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I did eventually pick up the Yins and, and all the other local slangs. So, yeah, I mean, you should be culturally relevant and in the know. And, uh, you know, so if you're going to do a podcast, Anthony, about horror, you should bring it to the table, my friend. Come on. No chainsaws, no giant spook monstrous demonic dolls nothing nothing this week i got another man i got now i got nothing i don't know right. let's see all right I, can, I played starter some... promos uh, Ooh, you might miss out paying over a hundred dollars for a board game that you'll never get to the table oh my gosh yes that's terrifying <laughs> it very much is so for this episode we will be talking about horror board games and if you do like horror whether it is movies or books or television shows there's a lot of great high quality horror out there there are some fantastic board games that might work perfectly for your particular game night 
So we'll be talking about that on our feature review. And in the meantime, let's get into the spirit a little bit. Let's talk about some contests that we're running. It's not necessarily trick-or-treating, but someone's going to get quite the treat, Anthony. What do you have for us this week? Yeah, yeah. I, I asked a Halloween-themed question. I asked people to, to get spooky with us. Well, with Chris, I guess. I don't know how spooky I am these days. <laughs> At least to you guys. I scare my kids sometimes. Um, so we got the question this week, and I made it simple. I just asked everybody to give me their perfect spooky evening. It's like a wine pairing, but with board games. So what would you do on Halloween? If all things considered, and just include a board game of some kind. So we got a few different answers here. Um, I'm just going to pick some of my favorites. And then, Chris, you will pick the winner as we do the last few weeks here. All right. Drew says, a blind date and a game of nyctophobia followed by an uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark marathon. Is that a pun? Is that Was that a pun, blind date and uh, nyctophobia? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Probably good. a little bit of a pun. <laughs> Erskine says, listen to CBS Radio Mystery Theater, watch The Call of Cthulhu, play Arkham Horror. So straight theme here. Got to appreciate nice. that. Very nice. Very nice. John says, take my kids trick-or-treating and then take tricks in card games while treating on their candy. Oh, that's probably the bigger of the tricks. Yes, <laughs> which every parent does, which is what we do. Sorry, guys. Any children out there listening, it's, I'm sorry. We steal your candy. <laughs> <laughs> not, not enough that you notice, but just enough for you to wonder what's happening. <laughs> so, Peter says, trick-or-treating with the kids, followed by Young Frankenstein, Lost Skeleton of Cadavra, double feature, wrapping it all up with Betrayal at House on the Hill. Oh, okay. I like that, too. Very nice, very nice. And then last but not least, Brendan says, once guests arrive, they will be treated to some homemade witch's brew, followed by some Halloween, quote unquote, finger food. Then some small party games to break the ice with Wrap the Mummy and Halloween Feel Box. Next are the board games with Zombie Kids Evolution for the kids and some campy fun with Last Night on Earth for the adults, finishing off with an annual showing of the Adams Family. Wow, that is really impressive, too. Big plans. I really like this. We should do this a lot more. A lot more of the game nights kind of crafted into uh, people's different holidays, so to speak. Yeah, there's a lot of good choices here. Uh, any any of these would be a great, really great board night. While these all really are fantastic, I have to go with the pun-related horror theme of both going out on a blind date, dealing with that horrific existential crisis, and utilizing Nyctophobia, which is a game in which you are technically blind for the game as a kind of horror slasher theme comes down upon you. I think that's pretty, pretty meta, and I, I really like that. So that's my winner. All right, Drew, you're the winner. This does happen live, guys. We are recording, and we just right now picked the winner. This wasn't like picked out of a hat or anything. So, Drew, congratulations. You'll get an email and a game of your choice from the list. And thanks for everybody who shared their uh, game nights for Halloween upcoming. Hopefully you all have fun. And there's yeah, so many good horror games. We're going to talk about a bunch on this episode um, for, for everybody out there. But that's not the only thing that's going on with BGA. Each and every year, Anthony and I try to do something fantastic with the podcast to help serve the community out there. And this year, because Anthony and I are a bit separated by a good number of hours and a good number of states, I'm doing Extra Life, again, like we've done many years before, but I'm doing Extra Life, in fact, where I work. So I work at Ocean County College, 
in Tom Server, New Jersey. And since there is a pretty live and active gaming community, both in school and outside of school, I wanted to bring gaming out there. So I will be running an Extra Life event, board gaming, video gaming, and it's all there to benefit Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals, and in particular, Tom's River and the Ocean County area. Uh, the hospital systems over there is the Children's Specialized Hospitals. If you check out facebook.com slash boardgamersanonymous, you'll see a poster up there. And if you'd like to join in and uh, donate to Team Ocean County College, we would love to have you join us. And especially if you are anywhere in the area, we would love to have you game out there with us. Not only are we going to have board games from Nova Games and East Coast Gamers, but we're also going to have Microsoft. They're bringing a whole bunch of gaming systems out there. We're going to have some VR games out there as well. We're having role-playing. We're having escape rooms from East Coast Escape Rooms. So there's a lot of gaming that's going to happen out there. We're looking at probably a couple hundred people. So hopefully this will be our biggest Extra Life event that promotes board games and especially helps children in need. All right, Anthony, so that's everything that's going on with BGA. Let's get on to what's going on with our listeners. What's our question of the week? All right. More spookiness. Bring in the spooky. <laughs> Bring in it. Bring it. All right. Ask everybody, what's your spooky game of choice for Halloween this year? Keeping it simple. So got a whole bunch of recommendations. We have other recommendations for you later. And then I also have a couple of games that I played this week that are relatively new. So if you're looking for a game for Halloween this year, you have lots of options based on this episode. All right. So we have Ryan first off. Just picked up Abomination, the era of Frankenstein. Probably won't be able to play it until this weekend or next week, though. But it's here. Uh, Chris mentions Fury of Dracula 3rd Edition. Plays it every single year. Uh, Michael mentions Horrified. Played it this weekend. He calls it a great pandemic killer. And they had a great time playing with their 6 and 7 year old children. Uh, we have Chris mentions Life Form. It's not a game I've had a chance to play. Dave mentions A Touch of Evil. Jesse says Mansions of Madness. Uh, John Digman says basically anything Lovecraft. Which definitely fits the bill. Eric says The Others, Eric Lang game. Uh, another vote for Last Stand on Earth here. John says Deep Madness. So lots of good games there. Uh, again, I don't think we need to necessarily dive into ours because we're going to spend the rest of the episode doing that. But lots and lots of good stuff. And some of those, especially the uh, the Lovecraft stuff, gets a lot of votes. Yeah, I can imagine that. Anytime you... All right, so that's everything that's going on with our listeners. Anthony, we got some games that we want to have come out to the table despite their horrifying bone chilling price tag so what's your acquisition disorders this week all right i got one that i've actually had a chance to quasi play we didn't quite finish the play so i'm going to put it on the acquisition disorders because i want to give it a go again like a full play and that is abomination the heir of frankenstein this is from plan hat games designed by dan blanchett and it is about these scientists who have been tasked by Frankenstein's monster 20 years after Frankenstein was supposedly killed and Victor Frankenstein died on a ship uh, out in the middle of the Arctic to make new monsters to be Frankenstein's monsters buddies, essentially. So you and several other players, plays two to four, will take various actions throughout the city 
to gather different body parts and these body parts once you've gathered them and and most of the actions on the board are like worker placement uh, and you'll you'll have the opportunity to like hire more assistants and get more worker actions throughout you are a scientist of course but the trick of this is that you're trying to get these body parts and then those body parts will decay so you have these mechanics on your personal board where you have to try to utilize those as soon as you can but then sometimes get ice to keep them fresh um it is a macabre game it is not you know you think oh frankenstein you're like no no it's it's pretty it's pretty gory it's pretty brutal in that way so if these things make you squeamish this is definitely not a game for you everything i'm describing is fairly well illustrated the body parts are cubes but when you actually build your monster it's you know body parts so keep that in mind but you'll be doing that uh you have to manage these several different trackers based on like your reputation and what people think of you and like your impact and your morality because you can get body parts in lots of different ways you can get them from the morgue or dig them up or you can hire someone to be killed and get them to be fresher again pretty macabre game um the whole point of this is you're going to turn those in you're going to build these body parts onto your monster and then at some point using other actions you will try to bring that monster to life that is where like the random luck of the game comes in a little bit. Like you roll these dice, the body parts can become damaged. If you mess it up, the dice have a lot of damage faces on them. Uh, and that can be bad. It can slow you down a little bit, but overall from what I played of it, from what I got a chance to try out, the game seems decently different. Uh, has some unique elements to it. The Frankenstein's monster, for example, will chase people around. Certain actions will become such that, when you take them, um, a story card is going to come out and you'll resolve that. And usually it's something bad that happens to the person who took that action, but you really need the action. So you do it anyways. Really, really cool stuff. Um, this is, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is a book I read multiple times in college, just studying Victorian literature. And it's a classic, you know, the original Gothic horror novel. So the, I feel like this game does a good job of representing that and evoking it. It kind of ran really long. <laughs> That's the reason we didn't finish it. It didn't seem like it'd be that long of a game, but we were getting close to three hours and weren't quite done and we were running out of time. So didn't quite finish it, but it seems interesting. It's not normally something up my alley. So I do want to give it another shot and just see how it plays out, how the mechanics work out. And, you know, if it's the kind of game that I'd like to bring to the table for future Halloweens. So that is Abomination, the Era of Frankenstein. Hopefully to get another chance to play it this week. All right, for me, the game that I'm looking possibly to get to the table because, you know, sometimes when you look at board games, you do want a game with fantastic mechanics and really deep thematic appeal, but sometimes you just want something incredibly dumb and fun to play. So on Kickstarter, I found Movies Clichés, the card game, a card game made by bad movies. Now, this is a Kickstarter, so... There is currently only a few days left, and the project will wrap up on Tuesday, November 5th. So by the time you listen to the podcast, this will be almost done. So if you're interested in it, definitely check it out. So what is this incredibly interesting, yet funny, yet dumb kind of game? This is more of a game experience type of game, but basically what we're looking at here is a bunch of different boxes of movie cliche cards. And each of these boxes represents a different genre. So keeping with the theme of the episode, 
I wanted to let you know that there is a movie cliche horror edition that kind of like spoofs in in this kind of like cartoony way all the different you know movie cliches for horror movies. So you have your jump scares, you have your animal sense danger, you have you know one little sound gives you a, a way to the murderer in the movie. So a lot of these things are just the tropes and things that we've come to enjoy and sometimes hate about movies. But basically, you'll have an opportunity to pick up this game, and it actually has a number of different versions. I already mentioned the horror one, but there is also a sci-fi fantasy or a straight-up action one, and there is multiple backing levels. So if you just want to pick up one, you're fine. If you want to pack up all of them, you're fine as well. It'll cost you about $44 to pick up the entire set, and that's over 250 movie cliche cards. So you are saying to yourself, Chris... Sure, I'm kind of interested in this. I like bad movies, and I definitely are into the cliches, so to speak. But what can you actually do with this? Well, this is what they were thinking, at least. You can play cliche bingo. So basically, you pick a bunch of cliches from the box. You watch a movie with friends. And then as those cliches pop up in the movie, you play the card of that cliche, and you score a point. So not too complicated. Now, if you want to play something without actually a movie, you can play something called Name the Movies, where you would throw out three or four cards with different cliches, and then based upon whatever time period you wanted to give everyone at the table, everyone would try to identify movies that utilize all of those cliches in that particular movie. So that's kind of fun. There's also cliche shots, so it's one of those kind of like, you know, drinking bingo kind of games, something pops up and then you take a drink, so to speak. Don't recommend that specifically, especially when it's all cliche based and taking shots is kind of very cliche on its own. So it's a fun little game. The artwork is really family friendly, so to speak. It doesn't seem to be anything gory or horrific, but nonetheless, it's a fun little game if you wanted to play something with the family on Halloween. All right. So that is Movie Cliches, the card game on Kickstarter right now. Looks cute. Kind of has a Munchkin-esque vibe to the artwork. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of that. I I do like games that bring a little more humor. You don't see that a lot in board games. So, you know, having something like this that you could just kind of like keep with your, you know, Blu-ray collection or, you know, movie collection, whatever. And just like, hey, we're watching this incredibly dumb movie or thing we've seen a thousand times. Maybe it adds a little something to movie night. All right, so let's get on to the games that have at the table. And we will let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play and you should sit down and play them, those games are a dodge and you should avoid them at all costs because they're horrifying. Or if those games are a burn and you should stick a stake right in them, they really should not exist. They are the undead of board gaming. Anthony, let's hope that you have something decent during this darkest of times. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So the first one I wanted to talk about, and I'll keep this one quick because it's not a new game and a lot of you've already played it, but it is kind of the Halloween quintessential classic that everybody pulls out if they have a chance. And that's Fury of Dracula. So specifically, I played the third edition. Fourth edition is more or less the same, except the miniatures are painted and there's a couple tweaks on the rules, but it's all generally the same stuff. So in this game, you play up to four uh, different hunters who are trying to capture Dracula. Dracula is, of course, trying to escape and or defeat you. And you'll do this. It's 
it's a hidden movement game, but also you have to beat him. So you're going to move around the map. You're going to try to find him in various different ways. Your actions are fairly simple. And I say you, I'm talking about mostly the hunters because most of the players in the game. You'll move, you'll search, you'll draw cards, items, and events. And that's mostly all of what you do other than like trying to find him, right? Dracula gets to do all sorts of cool stuff. So <laughs> Dracula is moving, of course, and he'll do that by placing cards into this track that moves along, showing like where he's been. And he'll also hide stuff when he moves. So if you happen to land upon where he was at some point, that card will flip and bad things can happen to you. Maybe, depending on which card he puts out. Uh, also has a bunch of really powerful attacks and abilities and ways to fend you off. And you can throw layers out there and all sorts of cool stuff. So the game becomes like this push and pull between the hunters who are moving by roads and railways to try to find him and like, you know, hopefully close a net around him and then eventually fight him. So unlike, you know, Letters to Whitechapel, where you're just trying to find Jack the Ripper and then the game's over, this one, you have to find Dracula and then you have to fight him. And you have to have cards to do that and abilities and ideally ways to combat, you know, all the different things that he can throw at you. You need to beat him before he gets to level 13 on his influence track. And that's going to go up just as those cards start to fall off the board based on his ability to elude you. So the game seems to go one of two ways. One, you search for an hour or two, narrow him down, track him down and fight him. And then the game, you know, either you get him or he gets away. Or in the case of the game I played, you run around the map for about three hours find him in the very last couple of turns, nothing happens, and Dracula had a really fun game. So <laughs> I I don't think it's a unique review. I've heard this several other places. Fury of Dracula, it's it either if it works, it's fantastic. If it doesn't, it's kind of boring for about 80% of the players. In my case, it was kind of boring for 80% of the players. I think it's still a good game. It was fun to sit with people and joke about where he was. And like I like hidden movement in general, like the deduction aspect of it. But it just like this particular game just wasn't, I don't know, <laughs> it just wasn't very fun. So this is this is a unique review for me in that it's not really a dodge because like next Halloween, I would 100% play it again because it was a fun experience, but I'm not going to give it a play rating because it didn't actually have that much fun with it um, compared to like other games that get play ratings. So it it's a good Halloween game. It's a good thematic game for that kind of night. So Fury of Dracula, take it as you will. Some people love it. Some people hate it. I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I remember playing this way back when, and it's obviously one of the games, at least for me, that I don't or I didn't think that it would be something that I would enjoy just because, again, I'm not a big horror kind of guy. And the hidden movement thing was always kind of weird because it just was that one versus many kind of situation. And I was like, ah, I don't know, really, maybe, possibly. And, you know, people were pretty stoked about it. And I and I really could see why. I mean, there's it's so thematically consistent throughout. It just had this kind of problem where it was either hidden movement or it was battle. And the battling part as the game went on, as if you were significantly good at the hide and seek element, the battle part seemed really problematic because the hunters would gain up a ton of stuff and like you know like hey but aren't we going to have this climactic battle it's like i 
I think I'm going to continue to run around because that seems like a safer way to win the game. And and on, on that point, the game really does fall apart because it de-incentivizes the battling part. Like if you get caught, then yeah, you fight, but only if you absolutely have to because as Dracula, you really don't want to be doing that. Yeah, I mean, the battling seemed cool. It just didn't happen. Like It happened once or twice when we caught like his underling vampires that he had matured that jumped out in random cities we found, you know, and like when we finally got on his trail and we're hunting him down and we're like, Oh no, we got it. That was cool. But the first like hour and a half was just like, we're doing really bad guys. We're doing really bad. We're going to lose. We're doing really bad. <laughs> like Nothing was happening. So I, I understand that doesn't happen every time. So I'm not saying this is how this game works and it stinks. Cause I know a lot of you've played this dozens of times and love it. I'm just saying, in my experience, that's what happened, and that's why I feel the way I do. Sure. And uh, it is what it is, but I, I would do it again. I would do it again. I Maybe it's Dracula. I again. would not. I mean, I, I did enjoy my experience playing it as Dracula. I just, again, like I said, it, it seemed like anticlimactic, and it just didn't seem to have the right balance as far as, like, maybe some battling and some running, but it seems like once you battle, you're kind of out. So, I don't know. So it's a little, a little, a little challenging in that way. Yeah, I can see that. All right, so I'm going to talk about another game, also cooperative. This time, not one versus many, but all versus the game, and it's been pretty buzzed actually. This was like one of the hot games at Gen Con that was impossible to get, despite the fact that it was on Target shelves like two weeks later, and that is Horrified. So this is a new game from Prospero Hall, um, group of designers that put out things like Jaws and, and similar other like IP games. Uh, I think the Jurassic Park, the Danger Game, that's also decently fun. This one, though, is about the Universal Movie Monsters, and it takes place in a village where you, as one of the investigators, uh, there are up to five of you, will attempt to basically solve whatever needs to be solved for individual movie monsters and then defeat them, Right. And so it's a cooperative game, similar to the pandemic, has a lot of similarities to pandemic, but it's got a lot of unique abilities in it, too, that I really liked. So at the beginning of the game, you're going to pick which monsters you go against. There are six of them. I think the base game, just standard normal difficulty is you put three of them out. Easy mode is two and hard mode is four, maybe possibly five. Um, Each of these monsters has its own card and its own way that it operates. So most of them, how it works is there's like a stage one, like a location you need to go to and bring items to and do a certain thing at. And then once you've completed that, a stage two where you go find the monster and then defeat him with whatever you have to defeat him with. So they're all different, right? So like Dracula, he has four different uh, coffins located throughout the map. You have to take six red worth of items, which are usually weapons, and break all those coffins and then go find him and stab him with a stake or a cross or something. The Wolfman you have to gather all these different types of items, bring them to the laboratory and then brew the, the potion that will cure him, take that cure and then cure the wolf man, right? Gets rid of him. So you have to manage all of them at the same time, doing those things and then defeating them while they're chasing you because they chase you after each player's turn. And you only can be hit seven times in the game total, right? So that's hard enough as it is. The game also throws villagers on the map. And so these villagers will come out in certain locations. They'll have a location they're trying to get to. You need to escort them there safely. 
because if the monster attacks them, that moves up that terror track that will get you closer to losing. So you really have to be, you know, economical with your actions. Just like Pandemic, you lose if the terror track maxes out, you lose if you run out of those monster cards. And we lost on the monster cards um, with like probably two actions left would have gotten us there, but we just barely ran out. So uh, every player on their turn, they can move, they can move villagers, they can take their special action, they can pick up items, they can share those items with people, they can combat the monster. So those are things you can do. There's also special cards you'll get by saving the villagers. These will allow you to break all sorts of rules during the game. So this was actually a lot of fun for me. I don't generally love like the entry level cooperative games because they tend to be fairly non-thematic. Like Pandemic is, it's just mechanics on a board at this point for me, right? And a lot of games try to copy that. Uh, This game had some similarities to Pandemic. It felt a little like it, but it really went out of its way to make you feel like you were doing a thing, right? Each of those monster cards is cool and different and shows something unique about that character. Um, every character that you play has special abilities. You draw these cards that let you break the rules. There's, you know, moving the villagers around can be difficult at times, but also kind of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed the game for what it is. I think it's something I'll definitely play with the kids more. Um, I don't know if it's like the perfect, you know, game group game for gamer gamers, but it also wasn't derided (laughs) like I was afraid it would be like people, they seem to have fun with it. It is relatively short, uh, about an hour, maybe a little bit more if you go to like to the last actions and you can scale the difficulty, like I said, to whatever level you feel comfortable with. So, and it plays solo up to five. So as a game, you can pick up at target for like 35 bucks. I think this is really, really nice. I had a lot of fun with it. I'd say, If you're a horror fan, if you like cooperative games in particular, this could be a buy for you. I'm not like the cooperative guy and I don't know how much it's going to get played. So I'm just going to give it a really strong play from my side. But I think it's a game that I'll keep around. And uh, yeah, I think the kids will have fun with this one. So that is horrified. Yeah, I heard a lot about this and it's great that there are better and better games hitting the big box stores. And the classic movie monster kind of theme is fantastic. Uh, typically, it's it's kind of cheapened, so to speak. So, you know, as you said, like, not typically a fan of those games, but I'm really happy that you found a lot of fun with that because, you know, it brings people into the hobby and it represents it in a, in a better way. So, fantastic. I look forward to uh, playing that soon I, I know when i played a uh, villainous you know there was that disney very cheap box game i was like well this is just clearly not going to be a good game it doesn't even represent itself as a good game and i played it and i'm like this is a good game like yeah i'm like <laughs> all right this is good it's got it's got some problems but overall it's a really good game so yeah yeah i'm, I'm totally down for that yeah more more power to the uh high quality uh mass market games yeah definitely yeah same publisher too like the clearly they have a formula that's working for them and jaws also got good reviews and neither one of us have played that yeah. but it's another one that people have been talking highly of i think too like for horrified in particular one of the things that really struck me is it uses specifically the universal movie monsters right yes. which are i'm not i'm not gonna say family friendly but they're not it's not like gory you know crazy scary stuff so you can have a Halloween game that's spooky, right? And has the, all those themes in it, but it's still family uh-huh. friendly. 
which is something that's missing from like every other game that we're going to talk about on this episode, because most Halloween games go out of their way to be creepy or gory or just they're just a lot. Sure. Right. This is not a lot. It's the perfect amount for like an eight year old who had a lot of fun with it. So I really do appreciate it. No, I'm really down for that. So that's that's fantastic. So for our feature review this week, we will be talking about if you like horror, whether it be from film, books, or just generally the existence of life on a normal everyday basis, we have some horrifying, horrific, bone-chilling, tremendously disturbing, and overpriced board games that you might want to get to the table with family and friends in order to show them that board games and cardboard has a darker side to it. So, again, horror is your thing. Here are your games. Now, we are skipping over the family-friendly ones, so to speak. We've talked about that in a previous episode. Now let's get into the horror ones, Anthony. So you are a bit of a horror fan, and especially you've played plenty of the horror board games. How does that work out for you? It is surprisingly one of the few times of year where you can find a bevy of thematic games. You know, I was talking about this with a friend the other day. There aren't a lot of Christmas games. There's not a lot of like summer games. Like there's something about this type of theme, the dark, the gritty, the scary the spooky that just works with board games really well so there are a lot of these and uh yeah we're gonna highlight a few all right so what do you have up for first all right i'm gonna start with my favorite period like if you made a top 10 this would be my number one horror game arkham horror the card game it is the best living card game by my estimation (laughs) at the time i played with it uh based on the lord of the rings kind of baseline uh, but significantly amplified in terms of story and how it flows from one thing to the next whereas lord of the rings there's like one-offs everything was a one-off this game takes the lovecraftian world and just really seeps it into the mechanics and the writing and the, the way you play the game if you don't know like arkham which i'm sure you do at this point if you're listening to this it's a small little town in new england called arkham you are an investigator and you're trying to figure out what's going on with all this weird, crazy, creepy, ghoulish stuff, right? So that's kind of like the baseline for everything. That's really all the Arkham games are something in that world. But the card game throws all sorts of crazy different ways to approach it in each single module that you play. And they all string together into these overarching campaigns that have between like six and eight adventures in them, typically. Fantastic LCG, fantastically just thematic experience. So definitely one of the best horror games around. For me, I'm going to go a different way here. When I think horror, as far as board gaming is concerned, as Anthony mentioned, there's a lot of the Cthulhu-esque games. There is a lot of the different monster or alien games. And I like a lot of that cosmic horror. I like those really strange out there creatures. And typically those things are often best represented when you take a look at the throwbacks for horror. Now, one of the games that really kind of, you know, brings us back to that golden age of horror was all those probably 1950s, 1960s sci-fi where the giant monsters eating everyone in town and the creatures are controlling people's brains and the pod people and the blobs and the things and 
just really this kind of completely alien, horrific kind of monster coming to town. So why not jump aboard and be one of those horrific monsters that came from another planet and is looking to eat all of your cheerleaders? So Conquest of Planet Earth and its expansion allows you to portray one of those alien creature races looking to take over the Earth and fighting with the local civilian population. This game plays well as a co-op and as a competitive game where you are tackling and destroying all the famous landmarks of the earth and you are doing your super evil things and you got monsters and machines and creatures and such that you're setting loose on the earth. It's a fun, fantastic game and Flying Frog Productions is one of the best companies when it comes to utilizing real thematic kind of horror and alien conquest in games. All right. Yeah. So the next one for me is a game that I like went out of my way to kind of avoid and ignore (laughs) for better or worse when it first was announced. And that is Nemesis. This is a big honking adventure miniatures type of game from Awaken Realms who did Lords of Hellas, which is a game I did back and have played. They also did this War of Mine, the board game, which I've not played, but I've heard a lot of good things about as depressing as they might be. Nemesis is different, though. This is a horror board game. This is a survival sci-fi game in the spirit of, you know, Alien or Space Hulk, that kind of thing where you are in space, you're on a spaceship, bad things are happening, people are attacking each other, creatures are out there. It is straight up survival horror in the form of a board game. Everything is dark. The creatures are just like these, you know, grotesque, crazy looking miniatures. There's a lot going on here. So on one end, you just have what, you know, a thematic miniatures-based game. On the other end, you have a fairly deep set of mechanics that include your basic, like, dice rolling cooperative nature, but also things like hidden rolls. People can backstab each other. There's bluffing. There's negotiation. There's all sorts of stuff thrown in here that really works, like, thematically. I haven't had a chance to play this a full campaign yet, but what I have played of it was just like, wow. I, I can't believe how they managed to make this all work together. It's a sprawling, like, borderline i'd say mess of production there's just stuff everywhere but it all really works it comes together nicely and it's not surprising to see it like jump up into the top 100 already from the people who backed it and played it because it is just that thematic of an experience so that is nemesis next up for me is another flying frog production games i told you they were super thematic in this and they're really known for their unique art style Uh, A lot of times with their board games, they use actual photos. So it's almost like this cosplay situation and your character is actually a real person, not a piece of artwork or a still from a TV show or movie. And they're pretty much really kind of historically known for their A Touch of Evil or Last Night on Earth series where you are a little band of people trying to survive the night versus all of these kind of monstrous creatures or these vampires or in the one that I'm about to talk about because one last time we're jumping back into bringing some aliens down to Earth, Invasion from Outer Space. So if you played either Touch of Evil, Last Night on Earth, or now Invasion from Outer Space, same mechanics, your group of friends playing all of these 1940s carnies 
that have all their unique powers and special abilities because they're part of the carnival. And there's something unique and crazy and mystical going on there. And aliens come down. And once again, they're looking to take over the Earth. And in fact, this is one of the alien sets from Conquest of Planet Earth. So near and dear to my heart a bit. And you could have the other team play the alien, zapping the humans and trying to take over the Earth. So instead of having a conquest game where it's all miniatures and card playing stuff like this, this is you play a role and you are trying to fight back against, in this case, the Martians. But it also could be all the demonic creatures and a touch of evil or the zombies and slashers and such in Last Night on Earth. So three fantastic games, depending on which little flavor you want. They all play very similar as far as the mechanics are concerned. And just a really fantastic thematic game night. All right. And the last one for me is a little bit different, but still can be you know decently spooky for y'all, is Ghost Stories. This is, at this point, a borderline classic Antoine Bauza game from 2008, and probably one of the harder cooperative games out there. It is a game in which you play Taoist monks working together, of course, as a cooperative game, to fight off these waves of ghosts and spirits that are trying to invade this village. You do this by taking a variety of different actions, moving around this grid, and fighting them back. And like any good co-op, there's several different ways you can lose. You can lose if too many village tiles get haunted, if you run out of cards. And then at a certain point, the incarnations of Wu Feng, the boss at the end of the game, are going to come out. And if there are no cards left when there's a Wu Feng still in play, or if you are all dead, you lose. The only way to win is to defeat Wu Feng. And if once you do that, you put more of him in there in the different ver- variations of the game. There are two expansions for this. Both of them add a lot of really interesting, cool things to the game. Uh, the artwork is fantastic. Uh, it's, it's by Piero. And this is just one of those games that just sticks around in my collection and just somehow manages to just capture that perfect feel for like a spooky type of game without just being like overly gory, like some horror things tend to be. It is based on like Chinese ghost stories, the classic, you know, tropes of of that culture. And you, you'll see those in a lot of, you know, more Eastern um, narratives, but it really, really works in, in the flow of this game. It is being reworked as a less horror board game um, called Last Bastion. Uh, same designer, same artist, but a, a medieval fantasy theme. I'm not really interested in that because I did like Ghost Stories so much. But if you are looking for it and Ghost Stories is hard to find, there's also Last Bastion. So um, that's Ghost Stories, my third horror board And game. finally for me, I am, yes, going back into the deep well of Flying Frog production games for probably their most thematic and interesting game. I know it was a favorite of Daniel's. That is a touch of evil, dark gothic. It's a deck building game, and it's placed way back in colonial era America. And you are a monster hunter, and each of your monster hunters has special abilities and special stats. And they're going after a whole bunch of kind of mythos and creatures from that time and age. And what I really like about this game, too, is that the artwork is so evocative and Really, what you're trying to do is work together, but at the same time, it is a solo competitive game where you're still trying to get the best score, despite the fact that you're working together ever so slightly. There's a good amount of betrayal in the game, and it's just a really solid deck building game. The mechanics are phenomenal. So again, 
great, great theme, but probably the best mechanics as far as a horror board game is concerned. That's Dark Gothic, the deck building game. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. Bert, yeah, I'm back on board, buddy. I like that. I did it. Yay. I did it. <laughs> and we'll save you all a seat at the seance table. Thanks for listening, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs>